I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Welcome to Sick Boy, a podcast where we talk about what it's like to be sick. This week's guest is Christina. She has rheumatoid arthritis. Let's talk about it. Well, here we are once again. uh, Another day, another recording. And this time we are sitting down with Christina all the way from Oshawa, Ontario, uh, but originally from, we were just saying this before we started recording, we're originally from Colombia. Uh, Christina, first of all, hello. How are you? Hola, muchachos. <laughs> <laughs> Hola. Let me guess. Does that mean hello, handsome boys? <laughs> well, I can call you puppies if that makes you happy. <laughs> oh, you have no idea how <laughs> happy that makes me. <laughs> Um, so Christina, this is, I'm really excited to dive into this conversation with you because, um, we, we've done, we have covered rheumatoid arthritis in the past, but I feel like it's one of those, one of those illnesses that is so wholly unique for each and every individual who, who goes through, um, goes through the challenges of rheumatoid arthritis. But there's something else that I guess we're going to be getting into today, which I actually don't know. I don't even know. I don't even know if I know how to say this. Uh, it looks like when I'm reading it on paper, it looks like the name of something I bought from IKEA recently. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna. I'm gonna attempt this. Is it? Is it? Shogun? Shogun? Jogrins? Shogrins. Shogrins. Okay. I guess to get this out of the way, what is what is Shogrins? Well, Sjogren's syndrome, and of course, it was uh, discovered by a, by a Swedish ophthalmologist, so that's why it sounds like an Ikea product. That is hilarious. Friggin' you knew it. Jerry, no. you nailed it. I was going to say when you said that, I was going to say it does sound like something from Ikea. Oh, the two dots over the Sjogren's? O. I just looked it up. The two dots over the O gives it away. <laughs> that is it. That is yeah. it. Yeah, totally. There you go. You guys, you boys are good. Uh, yeah, uh, so poppy, show. Poppy reads. Poppy reads. <laughs> poppy reads. <laughs> These uh, papacitos, I don't know, whatever you want to be called today. <laughs> um, yeah, so Sjogren syndrome is also an autoimmune and systemic disease. So it okay. kind of falls in under that category of the autoimmune and rheumatic conditions. But Sjogren mm. syndrome, just because it's named syndrome, really, it's it's uh, the symptoms are so staggered. Is that as, unlike rheumatoid arthritis, there really could be more specific symptoms, right? So the joint swells up, and then they start kind of studying and looking into, oh, it might be rheumatoid arthritis. With Sjogren's syndrome, is not that simple. When okay. for me, so but the hallmark symptoms are really uh, extreme dry dry eyes and dry mouth. 
and Ooh. dry everything. <laughs> really? Oh, really? Interesting. Okay. Uh, um, can you can you just remind us, Christina? What is um, a disease that affects the rheumatic system? What does that mean? So, uh, in this instance, so when you, when you talk about autoimmune conditions, and I always associate it because I grew up in Colombia and then we had conflict and guerrillas and soldiers. So to me is that, you know, when you think about the immune system, it's those immune cells that are there to protect you, right? It's going to protect you against viruses and flu and all these different things that are foreign to your body. But instead, they become the gorillas and start attacking you. Instead of defending you, they start attacking your body. So for the, the rheumatoid diseases, um, let's say for the rheumatoid arthritis, it's, it's like a most commonly attacked the joints. But for Sjogren's syndrome, it commonly attacks the glands that produce moisture. So that will be the, uh, the parotid glands, so the ones that we have here that produces saliva, as well as the ones that we have under the neck. Like, so we have some uh, glands that we had under the ears, right? And so those are the majors that you produce saliva. So basically, your mouth is wet. Mine isn't. Right. Whoa, so that's so wild. Interesting. Does that like can you can you alter that by um you know by by hydrating like way more than than your typical human or or is nope. that just wow that's I just wild. feel so, so, constantly thirsty all the time. Oh okay. that sounds so annoying. So, that does uh, sound super annoying. Uh, other than sounding really, As she annoying, takes though, a giant cup of water. That's a, that's a very timely. <laughs> Can you describe? Because like I, I think of, I think of like um, uh, saliva in your mouth and like what it actually does for you, and, and obviously like it helps kind of lubricate your mouth and your throat so that you're able to um, chew and swallow. Um, and like other than other than like having dry mouth and and that being you know annoying, like is there what is what is kind of the negative consequence of having a really dry mouth or dry glands? Hmm. Well, beyond that, I think that's that you made really good points that it helps you swallow. It helps you keep the, your mouth lubricated. But beyond that is that it also, saliva is so important. It's not only the quantity, but the quality of it. Because saliva helps to also buffer the acidity in your mouth. So let's say if you're eating something, right? So the bacteria will feed up on that acidity, but you have saliva. So it helps to kind of, you know, uh, flush it out or flush it down to your system. When you don't have that saliva, you don't have that protection. And there's more risk of you having cavities as well. So we're constantly at the dentist and it's super expensive. So even though we have the perfect (laughs) mouth care because we're constantly drinking water, we brush our teeth, we rinse our mouth, but it's still, it's just the environment. It's so acidic that it's because of the lack of saliva that it gives you that those cavities and like the, the dental work that we have to go through. It's, it's, it's insane and it's very expensive too. Also, I know that I know that mm-hmm. saliva also like helps break down break down food, right? Like the, like there's a yeah. digestive um, aspect to saliva. So does that does it also play a role in like in in malnutrition or, or the inability to mm-hmm. properly break down food? Or well, it really starts the digestion process. It has a little bit of some enzymes specifically for those like breaking down the sugars or like carbohydrates. 
it really starts in your mouth. But the main function, but uh, in essence, once your food goes down and it goes to the small intestine, that's where the, really the full kind of blunt digestion happens. So he, mm. it doesn't really start in the mouth. Uh, it's that's let's say that. So okay, like there's another like the backup. The main function is down the road. But but really, when it happens, it's like you don't have like saliva. But also, there's not enough lubrication down your esophagus. Right, so like when you go down to the to the stomach, so then what's going to happen? There's more risk of you having like um, acid reflux, uh, gastritis, mm. because there's really no. So that's something um, that is very common. Or having gast, uh, like a gast, uh, what is it? Um, gastrointestinal gastrointestinal uh, disorders. It also yeah. a lot of digestive um, symptoms. So that's, uh, that's really the matter. And the fact that you can't swallow, like, uh, I can't swallow a cracker. Like, uh, if you gave me a cracker, I throw it at your face. Like, I can't <laughs> swallow a cracker. So you've <laughs> like, never played like, the game? You've never played the nah. game where someone tries to get you to see how many crackers you could possibly fit in your mouth at one, at one Is time? Is that like the saltine cracker game or whatever? <laughs> yeah, sounds like what about the cinnamon challenge? Have you ever tried that one? Uh, I think that, that kills you. I think, doesn't that, yeah, yeah. doesn't that cause death? Uh, you know what? I'm gonna have to. Uh, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to look into that one. I actually don't know, uh, Christina. I'm wondering if, if, when you were talking that it that it that it affects all these it affects these these um, like glands that produce moisture. Is there? It, does it does it affect uh, does it affect how you produce sweat, or is that a different mm. system altogether? I. I believe so. Like honestly, I don't think I sweat. <laughs> I really <laughs> again from Colombia. It's really hot down there. You're, yeah. How you're do you know if it's like, just your Colombian? You're your so Colombian far lineage or? <laughs> but I will tell you something. I don't have tears. I don't cry. Like I don't have tears. I was gonna so ask. My Whoa. eyes are dry, and I remember. I don't know. Maybe when I was eight or nine years old because it started really early and nobody knew. And I went out with my cousins and, I, you know, back home and we still get the, <laughs> the whips. And, and my, my aunt was so angry at us and they, she, she slapped us and I didn't cry. I said, why did you cry? Why are you crying? And she kept <laughs> slapping me. And, and I was like, I don't know. <laughs> like, can you, can you cry? Like, do you, do you, do you, do you emote the the emotion of crying uh, like is is crying an emotion i guess like 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 can you cry without tears is is it is, is it I, though or can you or is it not you know. know what i mean it's like can you laugh without well, without smiling like that 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 doesn't work I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know i, you just I can't <laughs> totally insane so, so like like when you try to do that so then when it, like now think about crying without tears it like does everyone just go oh she's faking it like that's not you're not crying you know like you know what question. maybe it, it actually is <laughs> and thank you for asking but i do feel that you know, it's like a, there's still the, the, the eyes, they try to build up some um, moisture. There's still a little bit of moisture in my eyes. Mm. So they get swollen. Like when you cry, they get really swollen and they hurt. I've had the feeling. I do still mm. feel that. But I think I'd rather laugh than cry because it's really painful, really. And then, like, there's no tears coming out, so what's the point? 
<laughs> right, yeah. right, right. Sure, sure. Okay. Um, I like that. That's good. A, some good PMA there. I like you that. You brought up a um, you you mentioned there that it started when you were it started around when you were eight years old. How how do you so so when exactly does it start, and how do you go about f- hmm. finding out or 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 you know even thinking of going to a doctor or whatever to figure out that this is something that you are dealing with. But also, what came first? Was it the arthro- like the rheumatoid arthritis, or the or the the show show Sjogren's. Oh, definitely the Sjogren's. I and okay. being in a small town, they thought that I had uh, the tonsils were inflamed, right? So the the doctor in my really really small town back home. Uh, they said, no, let's give her penic- <laughs> penicillin. And it's not like here in Canada that everything is gentle with pills. No, there was like the big needles. I had to take a penicillin needle every day for seven days, every month. I think I, took, I did that for two years because they couldn't figure out what it was. And so the swelling, so I started with my, my glands, like under my ears, very swollen. So originally, uh, the doctor said, oh, you have mumps. It's the virus. You have mumps, right? And so, okay, fine. It did, nothing happened. And so they wrap her like, um, like a headband with, with chamomile tea and a bunch of things. Nothing happened. And in reality, it really took up until when I was 21 and I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis a doctor said he kind of put all the pieces together and I said, I think you have Sjogren's. <laughs> are they, are they comorbid? Are they like, are they typically comorbid um, or can you have one without the other? I think you can have one the, uh, without the other. When you have just Sjogren's, that's when it becomes so difficult to diagnose because mainly, mm. okay, you have your dry eyes and your dry mouth, but then dry eyes and dry mouth could be related to maybe medications perhaps, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, or certain situations. But then when you start adding up other symptoms like uh, muscle pain, that's almost similar to fibromyalgia. When you start feeling like joint pain, so then start feeling, thinking, mm. oh, that might be maybe rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, so there's just so many symptoms that can fit in within other conditions that it makes it so difficult to diagnose. When, when, when I think of uh, rheumatoid, rheumatoid arthritis, I think of uh, like these images of like really swollen joints and almost like, um, yeah, yeah. The way you're oh, holding wow. up your fingers Whoa, now. Oh, my and Lord. Your, wow. Your Look at you. Are, are like a, so, very sorry, bent, not to like, right? not to make this a big thing, but, but, but I got to make this a big thing. You, you're, it is, it, this is the first time that I've ever spoken to someone with, with, with arthritis where I've really seen, like your your hands look like a Google image search of that's exactly rheumatoid arthritis. Like <laughs> it's 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 very it's very. Um, it, are your hands like constantly in pain? That's, I mean, people can't see this, but like your your fingers are your pinky finger looks like someone literally just took it and snapped it in two. And you're, oh my gosh, your thumbs! Wow, wow. So so I, the the reason like I was <laughs> is it really hard to is it hard to open cans? Like do you have a hard time opening beers and stuff like that? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, one, I don't drink, but uh, but yeah, any can okay, is but, very well, difficult to. Yeah. No, but 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 to be fair, and I think I, I'm just gonna say that. So when initially you said 
Rheumatoid arthritis affects everyone differently. And mm-hmm. remember, mm-hmm. when I was diagnosed, it was 17 years ago. So the advances on medications were very, they're still kind of coming up. And I was in Colombia, so I didn't really have access to right. the treatments, although they did follow the step therapy the best they can. And the next step was to sue the government to get me a biologic. <laughs> that was my next step in Colombia. But the thing is that within the first six months of my diagnosis, I had deformity of my hands because I was diagnosed to uh, moderate to severe rheumatoid arthritis. So, right. and was that when you were really? When, was that at? Was that at eight or was that at twenty one? Was that? No, this was a, this one was at twenty one. This one was at twenty one. Okay, right. Yeah, because she was yeah. diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis at twenty one, right, but right. the sojourns Sjogrens came at eight. Well, that's and, why I was wondering because you were talking about, and that's why I started down that line of questioning because you mentioned you know Sjogrens started at at eight, but it's hard to in terms of like comorbidity and being di- diagnosed with Sjogren's versus like a diagnosis of rheumatoid arthritis. Like I was, I was curious, like you, you said that there's not really a defining characteristic uh, other than like these dry glands or, or lack of ability to produce um, moisture. But like I was thinking, you know, when I Google image search rheumatoid arthritis, it would be like pretty clear that, you know, you have rheumatoid arthritis if it was like as, you know, as bad as it is, there when you mm-hmm. held up your hands and and your fingers are are, are all bent like that so um it so it did it took quite a bit of time until you actually got that diagnosis of you know living with rheumatoid arthritis but does does like does rheumatoid arthritis show up um like would it have been there earlier in your life it just wasn't something um, that you detected you know why it was so it actually was very quick you know, some people like take years to get diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. Mine was very quick. And I remember just my finger got stuck in um, uh, the cab's door. I was helping um, a lady get it into the cab and my finger got stuck. And, you know, something just happened and it got swollen. It's OK, fine. But after that, within a month, I get my hands get swollen. My knees got swollen, my ankles. I have terrible headaches. At one point, I just couldn't move. I, I couldn't get off of my, my couch. My cousin had to, like, it was, I couldn't move. Literally, mm. I couldn't move. It was way too painful. It, it's like, what's happening? And at that time in <laughs> Colombia, I was um, on my last year of my nutrition school. And it was really scary because I couldn't comb my hair and I don't even do it anymore. What's the point? But I couldn't comb my hair. And uh, it was so painful. I couldn't dress myself. I, my mom mm. was helping me dress like I was a two-year-old uh, girl. It, it was devastating and, um, and embarrassing. It was so mm-hmm. embarrassing. And in, in Colombia, we have to get on the buses. And it's not like here. Everything is gentle. And like, ah. No, there is like you're going on mm. a roller coaster. So every every time it's uh, it's it's just it was painful and but it was quick. I had to say I started getting the symptoms in October. In by January I was diagnosed. Wow! So that was so quick. But then that's when uh, when the doctors started putting all the symptoms together. They said, oh, so you had the dry mouth, you had the dry eyes, and you have the muscle pain and digestive issues. So let's do all the testing for Sjogren's. And one of the, the testing is that they take a biopsy of the lip, so right here. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, they took a biopsy, and what they found is it's like a full of certain life lymphocytes that it's just great. So basically, it was positive. It was just so positive. I had no tears. I had no saliva. And, um, mm. and so, so that's why. So the rheumatoid arthritis was very kind of quick and obvious. Let's say the symptoms were there, like a textbook. Yeah. Type of right. symptoms, so, right? So, I, you're, you're, when, I, when it comes to your hand, I mean, obviously that there's there's aspects to rheumatoid arthritis where you wake up in the morning, and you know other, you know, unless unless there's somebody there when you wake up in the, like, unless there's somebody there with you when you wake up in the morning, you know, the rest of the world doesn't really see the pain and the and the suffering mm-hmm. that goes into you know the the struggle with the joint pain. Uh, Christ, they can't, they can't even see the tears of uh, when right. you cry. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> and, there's no t- and there's no tears to show. And, and so, but obviously the hands, the hands become a, a visible, a visible sign. Hmm. Yeah. Like when, if you get, if you're getting diagnosed at 21 with rheumatoid, rheumatoid arthritis, and I'm assuming there was obviously, you know, uh, uh, signs of it bef- like, you know, before that, obviously leading up to the diagnosis, but how long, does it take for the hands to actually start to change? Like how, mm. and how, is that a real, is that a fast process? Is it, is it a gradual mm-hmm. process? Is there something like that happens and then it accelerates or how does that work? <laughs> like I said, it's, it's so individual, right? So it's, uh, it ranges. So for some people with rheumatoid arthritis can be, uh, you know, they call it like it might be mild, right? <clears throat> mm-hmm. So, so perhaps you said you were mild, not be mild with the and moderate, right? No, I was moderate severe. Moderate severe, okay. Sorry. Oh, I am. Mo- I am actually moderate severe. Just because the condition is, let's say, under better controlled, it doesn't take mm. me away from that level, I guess. Right. But uh, but what it says is like I think what is important and was I I seen the the progress and, and therapies is that like early detection and early treatment can prevent this damage. And I, and I think that's that's really unique about the time that we're living now. Now, taking yeah. away that the treatments, even though they can reduce inflammation and then the blood work says you don't have inflammation, but uh, I think up to 90% of patients with rheumatoid arthritis, they still feel fatigue. And fatigue can be even still more debilit- debilitating than pain itself because it's that extreme tiredness and that you just can't get rid of it, right? Mm-hmm. There's still a lot, of work, uh, a lot of work to do to really manage this condition. Sick Boy Podcast will be right back after this very short break. Are you tired of hearing the same old wellness advice? It's time to dig deeper and listen to America Dissected from Crooked Media, the podcast that's cutting into the science, culture, and policy that shapes our health. From doctors fighting for their rights to the surprising truths about sunscreen, America Dissected dives deep into the state of health. Tune in every Tuesday for new episodes of America Dissected, available on all major podcast platforms. What does it look like for you on a day-to-day basis today? After after so after going so long since your your diagnosis and and you know we're we're living in the future it's 2020 there's you know we're, we've got robots uh, walking the streets these days um, who knows flying cars tomorrow uh, what is it what is your day to day now like what does it look like in in Christina's body in living with rheumatoid arthritis in 2020. 
I think 2020 is better because, again, my therapy was changed. Uh, when I got pregnant, my rheumatoid arthritis flared up again. And thus, actually, my fingers got deformed even more when I was pregnant. Mm. Well, you, and, you, um, you can get pregnant because I... I wasn't sure if your body would be able to. Yeah, I mean, geez, that's a, I, I mean, you, that's you just opened a whole can of worms there, Christina. We're gonna we're, we're going deep on that one next. I mean, that seriously, and I, and I don't know, I don't know if it's okay or not to ask this. So, if you're not comfortable going into this, like you're talking about how um, the cho- Chogrins, um is also, um, you know, your your body doesn't produce uh, moisture. So, like, does that make it hard to pass to a have baby sex? through? Well, well, that's one. That's one. That's one question. You know, that's one question. But I was like more specifically on the pregnancy side of things. Like, can you can a baby come out of your vagina? Or do you have to have a C section? <laughs> you know what? Okay, where, where should I start? Well, well yeah, there's a lot to unpack here. Now. here yeah, let's let's, <laughs> let's talk about the sex first because we no, got to no, talk no, about no, how no, you no, made let, the baby let, first. Let's, Brian, let's just pause on that for a second. We'll put a pin on that and actually come back to it for real. But before we do, just finish answering what, what it's like with rheumatoid arthritis today. Let's continue on that track. We'll, 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 we'll lay that out. And then we'll get into what it's like to have, pass a baby through a vagina when you can't produce tears. But first pass the other thing through to make the baby to find right, out that's first, right, that's right, that's right, that's right. right. We'll get into it. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, what is it like to be today? It's still, it's unpredictable. Because it's like you say, it's one day I'm all smiles and I'm this, right? And But this Mm -hmm. morning, for instance, I could not, I I, I have stiffness. I couldn't, it took me a while to get out of bed today. Uh, It was, it was a, it was a tough day then. So every day is an adventure. (laughs) I really Mm -hmm. don't know what's happening. What that is better than 21 years, uh, than 17 years ago? Yes. If I compare myself, right? And, and perhaps that's probably why my body was maybe more prepared to have that baby because there was less mm. inflammation in myself, right? So mm-hmm. I feel that I, I can cope, but because I've also, I have accepted that rheumatoid arthritis is not going away. I'm not mm. dwelling on the, the grief that why me, why me, that's, that's gone. And I think that has a lot to do on how you move forward when living with a chronic illness. Mm. 100%. Yeah, I mean, like a, a, a positive mental attitude when it comes to <clears throat> chronic illness is like it's, it's a key part of, of treatment. It's, mm. you know, it's the, the, the more stress you take on, the worse it's going to be for you in the long run. So to try to at least have a positive outlook, it really goes a long way. And, and easier said than done a lot of times. Too, yeah, much right? easier said than done, Absolutely. for sure. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, that's, and that, that's the part because sometimes I, I'm so full of energy and, <laughs> and wow, and I want to jump and I, I will dance bachata and salsa and the next day, like, I can't even lift a finger. You're right. <laughs> right? right? So it makes, you, it makes people believe that, oh, you're lying. Like, I, I, you don't have anything. Mm. And, mm-hmm. I, and I think Brian is right. The moment I show my hands, I say, oh, yeah, you do have arthritis. But other people mm. who don't have those deformities but are still going through that same journey journey, uh, they, it's so hard to explain what is happening to them. And, and I, and I feel it for them. It's, mm. Yeah. So then I guess the question that begs to be answered, how do you have a baby when you can't produce tears <laughs> and, 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 and saliva and, and you're all, you're all dried up. 
Ay, no, muchachos, I don't think that's easy. Well, it's I, bet, it's I mean, true. it's not easy passing a baby anyway, but yeah, I bet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a tough enough job as it is. <laughs> yeah. Was was there any, like, when you were having... Like, were there your, complications? When yeah. Like, yeah, when you were having your baby, was there any, like, was there anything that, you know, might be considered, um, you know, out of um, the ordinary that doctors were, like, prescribing you to make things easier? Or, like, was there anything of that? Or was it just like, hey, this is just going to be harder than it normally would? Oh, see, I'll back up a little bit with Brian when he asked, can you even have a baby? And I, about 10 years ago, when we raised that, that question to my rheumatologist back then, he said, no, 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 you had to come off of all your medication. You're going to feel so much pain. You better don't have a baby. I said, okay, oh, wow. that's fine with me. <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to insist. <laughs> then like five years later, my husband, like, I do want to have babies. I, I, and I said, okay, <laughs> let's go <laughs> and ask again, get the same answer. And so I said, okay, that's, that's fine. But then I think about two, three years ago, when I was talking to a, um, a nurse, a friend of mine, and I said, you know, I don't, I, I never really use birth control, nothing. And nothing happened. So I thought, maybe I can't have babies. But then Mm. my friend was like, I don't know, perhaps, why don't you have an ultrasound to see if there's anything anatomically that is preventing you from having a baby? I don't see a reason why you cannot have a baby because of you had rheumatoid arthritis or Sjogren's. So that's when she started planting that seed. And then all of a sudden... uh, I don't know. I, I guess I managed to have more more moisture and when enjoy myself and, and you know and having fun. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, we also uh, honestly, it just happened that I got pregnant and I could not believe it. <laughs> honestly, Whoa. I could not believe it. <laughs> and and I, I woke up my husband like at five in the morning. I said, "Come over here. Look what you did." <laughs> <laughs> this is your fault. <laughs> so, Look what, what you've it? done. <laughs> What's you done? And then he said, "What?" He's like, "Look, I'm like five, six weeks pregnant." I, whoa, so whoa. nice. So, but at that but point, then is, it, is, it like, is there is there concern that like, oh shit, like net, like you're pregnant now, but like all of a sudden now it's like I imagine just even the sheer weight of like carrying a baby and having you know a baby grow inside you and your belly get bigger and and the stress that that just puts on the rest of your body, not to mention all the other systems, but like just your joints in general, like is, was there concern there that something was going to be out of place? Well, the, the concern was that I was actually taking a medication that could harm the baby at the time. Ah, okay. So there was a concern <laughs> that uh, when that first went to see my doctor, uh, just a family doctor, walking clinic. I and he said, "Well, I can give you the pill so you can have an abortion." I said, "What? Is, excuse me." <laughs> so he just got so scared oh. that. So when I got to to talk to my rheumatologist, I he said, "No, no, no. Let's just stop all medications. We'll get you someone else, right?" But it was it was very stressful because I didn't have the guidance from the doctor. And what it really pissed me off is that when I went to see my rheumatologist, the specialist in pregnancy and rheumatoid arthritis was across the street from his office. Wow. And I said, Whoa. are you kidding me? I've been asking you if it's possible for me to get pregnant and you have the specialist right across right the street. There. 
it's, it's really inter- It's really kind of fascinating that you know. I'm sure these conversations were maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit, you know, more detailed than you know than than just a few words. But it is mm-hmm. it. It seems it seems wild that. I mean, just that, just that, just that. You know, that your doctor seemed to be very. It's from seems to be seemed to be very quick to to going like, well, you don't want a baby because that would just be that would be really hard. So I mean, like, mm. you don't want to go there. <laughs> you know, yeah. it just yeah. seems it seems like I I just imagine that like the proper way to come at that is like, hey, you can have a baby. It's gonna be hard. So, mm-hmm. like, you ha- like here, you have to weigh. You have to here weigh your options. How, yeah. how much? How much? Like pain. I think it's gonna be more painful because you have to come off these meds and all this stuff. And uh, you know, you have you have to now weigh whether that is going to be something you want to go through or you don't want to go through. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Rather than than you know, you don't want to do that and like, oh, you're pregnant. Well, I mean, get rid of it. <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> Like, yeah, yeah. I know. like yeah, that seems so wild to me. It's pretty wild. I mean, I, I mean, I, I, sh- I shouldn't say it seems so wild to me. We've heard so many crazy stories on this podcast. We've heard yeah, we everything have. from the spectrum of like the most amazing story about doctors and their <laughs> compassion and their ability to take care of patients, <laughs> and then everything on the ex- uh, exact to, uh, opposite, yeah, all the way the to spectrum. your your pediatrician, Taylor, yeah. uh, which we won't get into on this episode. <laughs> um, uh, I guess, I guess, one thing that I am, I am wondering about is, in the end, did you? Did you end up having many complications with your birth or was it was it pretty smooth sailing? It wasn't a smooth sailing because, well, initially trying to figure out, because I went off so many medications that I had to control my RA, it just had the craziest flare. Honestly, I didn't have that much pain since I was diagnosed. Oh, so wow. much wow. pain that... And even, I don't know, I think all my conditions just flared up. I sugarance, rheumatoid arthritis, everything. But I felt my body was burning and a thousand needles inside me. And my my worry was that if I'm feeling this much pain, is that affecting my baby? I was like, mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. is that affect? So that was just a constant like, concern. Um, when I finally was uh, referred to this specialist that he said that uh, he could only see me um, at 12 weeks or 15 weeks pregnant, basically, because at that time, they could maybe, if I made it that long, it's because it was likely that I would keep the pregnancy. Do you think that's crazy? So what do you mean? I'm feeling this crazy pain from my week seven or eight when I found out that I was pregnant like from almost a month and a half, but we just want to see. So I just felt that there's such a huge gap there and there's mm. nowhere for me to go. But anyway, finally, mm. I, I got to see <clears throat> this person, this specialist, and, and they did team up with, uh, with the obstetrician and they follow up with me. I have to say almost every couple of weeks, I have to do an ultrasound, checking that the baby was fine, but then around week 20th, they said, well, we need to do some uh, special ultrasound to check the baby's heart. And I said, and why? (laughs) And so they said, because Sjogren's, here my friend again, comes and visit me, Mm -hmm. there are certain antibodies that actually cross the placenta could cause a heart blockage in the baby. Oh, wow. So, oh, wow. so again, my kind of my, my anxiety co- goes up because they said, "But yeah. don't you worry, it's only 
two percent of women, it can be it can be manageable, but two percent of the babies. And I said, wait a minute, you're telling me two percent of the babies, but I'm actually part of the one percent of the population that get rheumatoid arthritis and Sjogren's syndrome. So to me, that two percent is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, they did have the follow up for four weeks. Um, and unfortunately, baby was okay. Baby's heart was strong. And yeah. uh, so he survived. I wow. have. Yeah. So it was good. But two, I had two amazing months that were great. I, some people, some women go into a kind of a remission during pregnancy because of their bodies. You know, because their, their bodies, while they're preg- were pregnant, the immune system goes down to protect the baby. So in essence, oh, that could protect and some women, uh, probably two-thirds of women, not every woman. I'm not saying everybody, mm-hmm. but it worked for me for about two months. Uh, but then after that, I got into a car accident. So it's another story. But anyway, so baby, while you were pregnant? No, yeah, someone T-boned us. No, to when we two, were pregnant, two I was you. pregnant. Well, so no, when I was oh, pregnant, I oh, wow. was still pregnant, and somebody ran the red light and T-boned us. Um, oh, my gosh. How terrifying was that? That was very uh, scary. It was very scary, and obviously yeah. my mind was in the baby, and, you know, oh, it's my baby. He's okay. And again, he's yeah. all right. Like, you know, he's a trooper. So yeah, I that's sick. Yeah. <laughs> so I said, what, 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 did you name, what did you name him? Oh, that's a fascinating story. Is Isaac or Isaac? Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, Wait, do you pronounce Isaac it Isaac? Isaac? Oh, do you pronounce Isaac. it Isaac? Isaac. You, Isaac. I like yeah. that, Isaac. Um, Christina, Isaac. I'm curious, because you mentioned, you mentioned that you're a, a dietitian, or we mentioned that at the beginning, um, and when you came off of, when you came off your medication, when you were, um, when you found out that you were pregnant, I imagine that, um, there's some level of like managing your diet that plays a role in, in, you know, keeping you healthy during your pregnancy, or at least I'm wondering if there is, because I know for me, uh, I'm somebody who's extremely interested in, in nutrition. And I've read a lot of stories, uh, about the power of, you know, healthy eating. And, and especially when it comes to dealing with things like chronic illness, there's a, there's a certain level or role that it can, diet can play in, um, managing uh those chronic conditions it's not the only thing that i I think you need to do like obviously there's a there's 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 some level of reliance on um pharmaceutical pharmaceutical drugs for people but uh diet can play a massive role so as a dietitian who was coming off their medication what role did that play for you uh, you know, that's a very interesting question, though. So, obviously, as a dietitian, always trying to to find a balance, right? To have like your essential nutrients from your greens, your grains, right? Everything under the sun. But something really magical happened when you're in pregnancy. Before my pregnancy, I was not able. I, I was actually not able to tolerate dairy products, bread meats. Once I came off the medication that could harm the baby, I was actually able to tolerate red meat and I drank a lot of like lactose-free milk, which I wasn't able to drink. And I know that hmm. so ch- those are nutrients that are so essential for the development of my baby. And so I was so lucky that somehow nature kind of allows you to tolerate that. So I was um, 
able to always know that eggs, actually they're finding all research that they have certain uh, antioxidants and certain nutrients that helps with brain development in a baby. And so I oh, love okay. eggs. <laughs> so Me too. That's e- something. Honestly, eggs, <laughs> eggs, eggs are my favorite food. So <laughs> that, that probably explains why it. I'm so smart, you guys. I, yeah, I honestly thought... Yeah, <laughs> I thought, Brian, you were going to ask about all these questions because I thought you were pregnant or something. But yeah. <laughs> you're like a regular day Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, and I'm he's preg- like, he's pregnant. Video. He's pregnant. All right. He's pregnant with curiosity. Um, uh, I, I got well. One thing that uh, that it, that I speaking of curious uh, that I'm curious of is you know you, so so you you are a dietitian and you are living with a a um, uh, an autoimmune disorder. I feel like you kind of have an upper hand on on living with an autoimmune disorder because out of the conversations that we've had through this podcast over the last five years, like like Brian said, like we have we have very much come to learn that, especially when it comes to autoimmune disorders, like how important your diet can play a role within like the quality of your living. Um, so what what how does like how does being a dietitian play a role within you? And and almost like using that as a as a form of therapy for yourself in your in treating your RA and your your show grins. <laughs> really, really struggle. Well, then this is that that show grins. Just show just think, just grins. show grins. <laughs> well, look, I have an interesting journey with that when it comes to nutrition. Because think about it. Mm. I grew up in Colombia, fresh food. I could pull the avocados out of my backyard. Mangoes, oh, cool. everything was fresh. Yet, I developed autoimmune diseases. I did not have the exposure to the, the standard North American diet where everything like processed foods or everything like that. I didn't have access to that. It just everything was fresh. So, so that also really adds that um, the autoimmune conditions and how you manage them is so multifactorial that, yeah, diet is, is important, but, but you know, it, it, you're still having the, the cleanest diet and develop these diseases. Mm. However, when I came to Canada and then I had that cultural shock and I, I, and I started kind of looking at the foods and it's like, everything is canned. Uh, everything's so sweet, everything's salty, like every, it just tasted awful. The food tasted awful, awful, awful <laughs> when I came here. And, uh, and, and so I couldn't, and I couldn't, at that time I couldn't grasp, but like, oh, how can food affect you? Like it make you sick. That's, that's why I felt sick my first year in Canada. I, my digestive system went out of control. And so I started looking into I that. Feel, okay, I feel ashamed. What's the difference? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> but no, but no there, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. I, so interestingly okay, okay, enough, okay. I, I started looking into, okay, why if I just don't focus on this canned foods? And let's see what is available here that I don't even have back home. Like, for instance, when we had local, like, grown foods and in the spring or summer, we have more uh, berries and we don't have that kind of fruits and, and like blackberry, blueberries. We don't have that back home. We don't mm-hmm. have the, the weather for those kind of foods. And those are really rich nutrient foods that you can obtain. They're fresh or your apples or the squash in the, win- in, the, in, the, in the fall or the winter. So what I learned is that you really need to adapt those kind of 
really the principles to the country where you live in and see how you can incorporate mm. your your cultural and tradition and your heritage foods along with the foods that are available here. So, okay, there's, yeah, sometimes I can use the canned foods. I just wash them really well, soak them for a while, <laughs> drain that water out. And I, because it's an option, like we have to consider that it's is like a, um, that, that we move fast here in this country. You know, we don't have time to go and, and pick up the avocados. We kind of have to go to <laughs> the superstore or anything like that. So, so I learned to adapt and still be able to have that, uh, that like whole foods, um, whole foods at home, even though mm. living in Canada. It took me a while, really. And I think that's where yeah. we miss maybe the mark when we, we try to teach maybe someone from, like myself, I'm from South America, but you're telling me, eat the grain toast, you know, whole grain toast, and it tastes amazing with peanut butter. I was like, I don't like peanut butter. <laughs> right. What? Yeah, right. I, 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 I mean, curious, like, I mean, you... I think you're, I think there's something wrong with you because peanut butter is amazing. Uh, but also, I, I guess I kind of get what you mean. I, I don't No, no, I, I, I eat it. I eat it now. It took me like uh, 10 years. But I, I said, you know, I had to adapt. I have to adapt. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> Christina, I, I, sure. I don't want to be presumptuous when, when I'm asking this. So to, to like ask you more pointedly um, about your uh, diet's impact on, or I guess the question is, is like, does your diet when you're eating more um, like a North American diet with high sugary, high salty foods, does that have or cause a flare-up of your RA or Sjogren's or, or does it, you know, not really have that much of an impact? Uh, it does. It definitely does. And I think, uh, and that's why when I put that example, when I, when I, my first encounter here with McDonald's and all that, it definitely made me so sick. So, and that's something that I, I don't use. So I do believe, and I experienced that eating a sole North American type of diet with a processed food and mainly uh, animal protein, uh, extra salt, um, that definitely uh, it can increase the inflammation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so by, but I really try to, to not go so crazy about eliminating so many foods from my diet either, right? It's, uh, to mm. me, it's easier to eliminate fast food. Honestly, I don't care for them. I really don't. Mm-hmm. It was never part of my culture, of my, my style, of my lifestyle. So I don't really care for that. But, um, but when it comes to, to in, insert, I, they recently, the one that I always believe is the Mediterranean style, like uh, the Mediterranean diet um, lifestyle, for instance, because it really contains a lot of those uh, anti-inflammatory uh, components that were also part of my diet. So for instance, if you have like a, like whole grains, so back home it was mostly corn. Over here, they use mostly like wheat whole, like whole grains, but now they're getting used to more like, like quinoa and other grains mm-hmm. or seeds that we are available here that I don't have available back home. Then we have mm. the, the fresh fruits and vegetables that hopefully we get like locally, right? So, so they're, they're more like a nutrient dense. Then I, perhaps don't eat as much red meat. I don't have a taste for it anymore. Uh, but I also find that when I, I consume red meat, it's, um, 
I do feel a little bit of the flare-up. I don't have evidence for mm. that. I'm speaking for myself. Mm. Um, but yeah. so that's why you need to identify your own triggers, even if it's from like healthy foods. Mm. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I, food is so food is so personal for for everybody. I mean, like, I have a little bit of dairy, and uh, and your butt it's a makes time. yeah, it makes some smells that would and, yeah, and it's yeah, just dude, the way that it is ruin it anyone's life, and that's not yep. the same for everybody. Yeah. No, that's why no, and I can me, so. I can have lots of ice cream sandwiches and not have to worry about farting. Yeah, <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, where. Where are you? Where are you now with your with your rheumatoid arthritis and your RA? Are you are 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 you as as the treatments and the science around all of that as it gets better and it continues to progress? Has your has has your day to day like experience gotten better? Has it leveled off? Is it or is it something that gets worse over time? Where are you now? with this? Uh, let's say I, I, I learned really, uh, like I said before, I accept that I have it, that I live with it. It's not going anywhere. So, but I also, I acknowledge that only the therapy, like just the conventional therapies is not enough. It's only the mm. medications. I think I love the idea that we have access to like complementary therapies, right? That it just support mm. that uh, the, the medical therapies that you have, if you have, if you're more mindful over your uh, your surroundings, that you apply, you know, meditation or uh, whatever works for you. But for me, Zumba works better because it makes me happy, right? If I'm mm-hmm. jumping around yeah. and dancing, that makes me happy. If someone else can do the yoga and stay like this and quiet, that's good, right? Whatever works for you, but it's just to identify what what makes you happy and then you still be able to thrive with the condition. Nutrition, again, is, is a big part of it. I, I do, I, I have modified and then when I assess Let's say as a dietitian, when I assess clients with, with inflammation, I really try to really be provide a personalized care, not to say that I'm just going to do a protocol that is going to work for you, it's going to fix the, your disease. That's just not mm. working. That's not my approach. I, I mm. believe that each person comes with their own journey. So, so in my own journey, I found that actually having after having a baby, I, I feel with a, I, I don't know, with more like a purpose. Like as for some reason, I, I have to be well for my boy. I, I want to be there for him. And somehow I get some energy out of nowhere that I mm. didn't have before. Or maybe I didn't recognize it before. Mm. So, Christina, I, I'm going to ask you a, a question that we ask all of our guests. Um, and it's a two-parter. So the first one is, uh, what would you say is the biggest thing that, rheumatoid arthritis and Sjogren's has, has taken away from you? Uh, I guess somehow that, that independence, I, I feel that it's, it, it, yeah, that independence, because regardless, I still have to rely on my, my, my community, my family. If I'm sick, hmm. who's going to take care of my boy? Like, that's my reality today. If I mm-hmm. didn't have my, my family, especially my family, my husband, my in-laws around me, uh, I would know sometimes when the RA hits me and I can't play with my boy. That's, that's, I think that's that, that independence and that ability to say, I can do this and I can just conquer anything. 
it bothers mm. me that I have to adapt and I have to kind of almost, uh, almost my disease has dictated me, my, my career, my friends, where to go, what to do. What would no, you say is the biggest however, thing that it's given you? Yeah, well, that, that my second question is what, what's the biggest thing that it's given you? But I feel like you were, you were heading right into there. Yeah, so, and that's true. Like, it, it's given me quite a lot. Maybe I wouldn't have had it before. And it's that engagement with a, with a community. And I think connecting with others who also are going through a similar journey or same journey, it has given me so much. So participating in in uh, support groups online, offline, like a face-to-face has been so incredible. Uh, I think even I so appreciate that being able to be that voice that we experience, I guess, dealing with this condition for someone who is newly diagnosed with either Sjogren's or rheumatoid arthritis and tell them, (laughs) I know it sucks, but there's a way. We can live with it, right? And then, mm. so I think those connections, I wouldn't have made those connections if I didn't have my conditions. So it has brought me like down to earth and really uh, appreciate the, the small things in life. And I love mm. that. I, I just, um, I, I really, I really love it. In fact, if it wasn't for that community that we built, honestly, my boy weren't, weren't here today because connecting with mm. uh, older uh, like especially like mamas facing forward. I don't know if you heard of that that community. So no. mamas facing forward was created by um, a patient with rheumatoid arthritis back in the U.S. When she said when she got pregnant, there's no resources for women with rheumatoid arthritis. So then she said, "I'm going to create that." So now she created this community uh, online. She has a Facebook. Uh, a private group and also a website. And she said, oh, let's get all these women together and create something. And because of her and another advocate, um, I saved my boy. They saved my boy. So community to me is so important to give back to what I have, what I learned. And I also kind of learned from my community. Just to to ask on the last point, when you say like they they saved your boy, do you mean... Do you mean like they gave you the strength to know that you could go forward and, 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 you know, yeah, I, I said it, it is, it is, it is true. Yeah. That's what they did. They said, they told me when I tell, I told them, you know, I, I was told I, I should have an abortion and they said, no, 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 wait, yeah. <laughs> they don't know. But the best thing, the best advice I took out of all the conversations was Give your boy a chance to fight for his life. Mm. And that mm. was it. And I said, yeah, that's really, you know. Yeah, that's really, uh, that's really powerful. And uh, so I, I just wanted to ask because I think that uh, there's a lot of people out there that could benefit from, from hearing about how important it is to, to have a group that supports you like that. So mm-hmm. thanks for sharing that. Well, Christina, this has been uh, a real treat to sit down with you and to hear all about your experience with RA and Sjogren's. Nailed it. Um, uh, I want to say thank you on behalf of the three of us, but also on behalf of our listeners. This is really, really sweet. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me here. Thank you so much. I enjoy having you boys. Muchachos. (laughs) You behave. Yeah, the, pop- the poppies. We behave. We behave. The poppies. Ay, papacitos. 
and thank you all so much for listening out there. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we will be back next week, as we always are, with another wonderful conversation. And in the meantime, uh, do us a favor. Go on over to Apple Podcasts, leave a rating and a review, uh, or just go to Spotify if you use that and uh, follow us over there. Um, the more people that do those two things, the more people that get to hear these really wonderful conversations that we just had. Um, and if you want to support us in other ways, you can go to our Patreon. Patreon.com slash sickboy. You can become a part of our Patreon community, which is so awesome. Um, I, the, the untold wonders that our Patreon community allows us to, uh, to, we really get to perform miracles because of our Patreon community. We get to go to other, other, well, I mean, pre COVID, we got to go to other places all around, uh, North America and provide amazing conversations and shows. And, um, and now it allows us to provide like really cool content Well, now digital shows. And if you're a patron, you get free access along with your Patreon subscription. You get access to all of our digital shows. So that's really cool. And we get hangouts all the time, um, every week with our patrons. So, uh, patreon.com slash sick boy, we would love for you to be a part of our community. Bada boom, bada bing. And uh, a huge shout out to our communications lead and co-producer of the podcast, uh, Lauren. Lauren, uh, we really appreciate all the work that you do. You're amazing. What's Lauren's nickname again? Horn Skanky. <laughs> all right, guys, hey, come on. She, that, she, she, <laughs> that was her. She gave HR herself complaint. that nickname, which I, we'll probably have to bleep that out. And, uh, <laughs> and thanks to, uh, to Jeff Lonis, our manager, and a big shout out to Donovan, the meerkat Morgan for the amazing sound design on this show. Uh, Donovan, I'm kind of inspired by this conversation with Christina to like kind of like have us be taken back to you know a, a, a Colombian dance party and like a, a Colombian a club, Colombian Zumba class just dancing our little buns off uh, with our new friend Christina so that's what this would sound like holy shit guys my buns are my buns are sweating <laughs> and that's all I got you guys so moist so so moist uh, that is <laughs> that is it for this week I'm Brian I'm Taylor I'm Jeremy, and this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.